This is Soundtrack of the 90s with Martin and Ben, a podcast that revisits the music of the 90s one month at a time. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Soundtrack 90s or on Instagram at Soundtrack of the 90s. Please remember, these are just our opinions and you may not agree with everything, and I'm sorry if you don't. Also, there was a lot of music released in the 1990s and we can't possibly cover all of it, so apologies if we miss anything you love. is soundtrack of the 90s i'm martin and i'm ben and together we will be looking back over the music of the 1990s we'll be remembering our favorites exploring some of those that we missed trying to remember what we were up to at the time and curating our own soundtrack of the 90s in this pilot episode we thought it would be fun to take a look at the year that gave birth to the 90s 1989 a year in which margaret thatcher was still the prime minister liverpool won the fa cup Licence to Kill, Timothy Dalton's second and final appearance as James Bond was released in cinemas, and David Hasselhoff single-handedly brought down the Berlin Wall. With CD sales overtaking sales of vinyl in 1988, it was a great time for record companies as they got to charge us double for music we'd already bought once before. But what were we spending our money on? Well, that is an interesting question. What were we spending our money on? (laughs) I think at that point already I was spending quite a lot of it on CDs. Um, and we were mentioning a little bit earlier before we started recording that you had a Radiohead CD that didn't do very well. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe we'll come to that. Um, I, can't, I can't actually remember which one it was, but yeah, there was that, that sort of early CDs that used to erode, wasn't there? Um, yes, but do you and, remember uh, the adverts for them? Because I thought this was the big selling point of CDs, where you saw someone like spill a pot of jam or on them, or throw them out of a window and stuff. And I, I, think, I think there's, yeah, there's a thing on um, there's a thing on YouTube. It's the old Tomorrow's World piece that's on YouTube, um, and and they, I, my recollection is they put some jam on the top of the disc and then put it in a player and it played and everyone's amazing. That's incredible. But of course, CDs weren't like vinyl. They read off the bottom of the disc. So the jam wasn't on the tracks itself. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, we didn't know much about that then. I just um, always tried to imagine, I always tried to visualize the laser they, kept, they said that was used inside the CD player. <laughs> I was just imagining this little like Star Wars type laser beam sort of, <laughs> always wanted to see it, but never did. <laughs> I do remember somebody testing the indestructibility of them as well. I, I, I worked in a shop at the time and we used to sell. We were sort of like a, like a version of curries, like a smaller version of curries. So I don't think we actually knew each other then, did we? Uh, we hadn't met yet. So, Well, that's, that's a good question, actually. So when did we meet exactly? I mean, so this is supposed I, to... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it was about... I'm going to guess at 91. We had a little conversation recently, didn't we? Trying to work out whether it was 90 or 91. I think um, I think you're probably about right. I think it was either right at the end of 1990 or it was early 1991. I can't yeah. remember exactly, but I do remember that it was, it's got to have been around that time. Yeah. So I, I at this point I was working in this shop. I mean, it's, it was, um, it was a strange career choice for me. It wasn't something that came naturally to me dealing with the public and trying to sell them things. But it was exciting in that I do remember in this period, uh, one of the things that they were trying to sell. So the new thing was satellite TV. So they had these. Uh, so we had this company come round, put a satellite dish up on the roof and they fed MTV in. Um, and then we started this kind of like CD club for customers where they could if they bought a, like a hi-fi system they'd get a discount card and they came in and they bought CDs from us. So of course we were a bunch of mostly sort of teenage lads. I think the manager was probably only about 26, 27. So we were all quite young um, and working in this shop, ordering the CDs and just feasting on MTV all day. So um, yeah, 1989, as much as I think I'd got into heavy metal a couple of years before and that kind of just consumes your life I think for a little while but by 89 I was starting to see that there was a slightly bigger world than just 
people with terrible hair. <laughs> so this is an interesting thing. So why is it that we are starting in 89? Because it says soundtrack of the 90s on the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, well, I mean, for, for us, I think this is a bit of a pilot episode, isn't it? And um, we want to kind of test the format, um, see if it's going to work. Uh, talk through a few things uh, without treading on the toes of 1990 so for when we we kind of get into the normal run of things so mm. uh, that that was my thinking and this is a kind of broader approach isn't it because we're going to look at the entire year of 1989 as yes. opposed to when yeah. we get into the 90s we're going to go on a much more focused approach and yeah. take it one month at a time yeah 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 i think i think that's the plan i mean maybe we'll find in time that uh, a month isn't enough to give us enough to talk about but but we'll see do you want to i mean i'm sort of thinking the first thing we'll do is ordinarily we'd be looking at a month's worth of new releases um and here we're obviously we're going to look at a whole year so mm. in front of me i've got a copy of uh q magazine from mm. uh january i think this is january 1990 um and they've got their 50 best albums of 1989 and we can't possibly cover all of these <laughs> well then maybe... again there may there may, may be quite a lot in there that neither of you have any comment on at all uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that could be the case. I mean, the first one on their list is uh, A Diva by A Diva. Right. Uh, mean next. anything to you? <laughs> <laughs> so the next one, I think we'll probably both have a bit to say on this one, uh, is Aerosmith's Pump, their classic 1989 album. Right. Pump. Yes, 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 yes. So I think, um... they, I, I think, I think actually Run DMC have got a lot to answer for when it comes to the the rise of Aerosmith at this time well, I, I think it's the, I think it's the the sort of the revival of of Aerosmith wasn't it because I think they were very yeah. popular and then they sort of dipped down but the whole walk this way thing just yeah. brought them right back to life didn't it yeah um, they'd done they, was it permanent vacation they'd done maybe a few years before but it was yeah I think they thought they were the big rock stars but in reality I think it was um yeah, it was the the rap stuff was breathing life into them rather than the other way around. So, what was your reaction to? And I mean, what did you think about it at the time? What do you think about it now? <laughs> well, <laughs> I I loved it at the time. Uh, yes, I have yes. not, but I haven't listened to it since. Um, so, I've tried to as much as possible. I've tried to listen to as many of these top fifty albums over the last couple of weeks it was impossible to fit them all in and this is one i i didn't get to revisit uh unsurprisingly it wasn't at the top of my list <laughs> i i would say i like it still um okay it's i've always thought of aerosmith as a little bit and i've, I've got quite a lot of these as uh, as we may or may not discover over the over the uh, coming podcasts but I've always thought of Aerosmith as a little bit of a guilty pleasure for me. Um, they because especially at this point they really became a bit of a hair metal band. And mm. I think I, a lot of rock bands from that era, those that had been around for a long time, were suddenly getting on the Bon Jovi mm. bandwagon. I think, yeah. Yes, and I usually took that as a sign pointing in the opposite direction. Basically, go elsewhere. Do not come near these these people. Um, which is may may have been a bit unfair. I still get in difficult conversations with people about this, uh, but I liked it, and I just thought, I think, I don't know, there was something about them, about Aerosmith, that I thought was a bit different. They took them tell, took themselves slightly less seriously. I thought um, I might be wrong, and I also thought they were a bit more legitimate from their outset because they were just a bit more of a sort of rhythm and blues rock band when they started. That was when rhythm and blues was uh, yeah. When what it actually, used to be. It, yeah, before it became <laughs> R&B, which doesn't seem to have any rhythm or blues. <laughs> Gives me the blues. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, I mean, that's, I, was, I was not expecting that. Um, uh, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll revisit that one this week. Um, there are some good songs on there. Um, My Girl, I seem to remember, is a fun one. Okay, um, I, I can only remember loving an elevator. I'm just seeing if they've got well, anything. That's, yeah, but that's the one that got overplayed. It got played yeah, to yeah, yeah. death. So yeah. I don't. I can see why you may think mm, because yeah, 
you know, and that one on that one, of course, they were taking themselves extremely seriously. Um, okay, I mean, I'll just read you a little bit of what they've put here. At a time when young guns from Motley Crue to Poison were doing their level best to hoist the heavy metal crown from the likes of Def Leppard and Bon Jovi, it took a bunch of, is that word, hoary, addled old stagers like Aerosmith to come up with the year's best metal album. That's what they've gone with there. Yeah, and it was good. It was it was a good album. Um, uh, fine as well, F-I-N-E, fine. That's that's quite enjoyable. Okay. I think if you try something like My Girl when you listen to it later, it's just a fun, up-tempo sort of rock song. Um, okay. And they, they, they have a lot of fun with it. But the, it's a good album. In fact, I think some would argue, contentiously, I'm sure, that it's their best. But uh, it's probably their most consistent on many levels. Okay. All right. Let's move on to uh, Welcome to the Beautiful South. I think this one, I th- was this their first album after the breakup of the House Martins? I yes, honestly it's don't. Debut yes, album. Yes, yeah. Good. Thank it's, you. I mean, it's I got know. Song for Whoever on it, which was huge. Uh, it's got I'll Say This, Sail This Ship Alone. You keep it all in. I mean, I ha- this is one, I, again, I didn't get around to listening to, but but that, those are some classics. I, I, are you, are you a like fan? A Were you a fan? Are you a fan? Uh, yeah, I did. I did used to like a bit of Beautiful South, but I, I was, I was sort of like, I was a Greatest Hits fan. I only had the Greatest Hits album, um, and I saw them at a festival. Um, so it's like I, I didn't go out of my way to see them. Or, but yeah, I mean that, that best of whatever that was called. That was a great album. Um, they're, they're another one that um, I, I think I'm same as you. I think I had the Greatest Hits collection and then basically but then after i left england which i left england um in 2000 and or at the end of 2000 was it um i i sort of got more and more into sort of collecting old albums from secondhand places and i did slowly put together i don't know how many albums they did uh and i think they sort of reformed and done one or two others possibly but and I've always liked them. I find there's there are particular days where I think I'm going to listen to the Beautiful South today. It's usually not when I'm very happy. <laughs> I think yeah, I think they got slightly more uh, dissatisfied. I'm not going to say unhappy, but I think they got slightly more dissatisfied with the world around them as time went on. I think it's they did eventually break up, um, and it's Jackie Abbott and Paul Heaton, I think now that that tour together. Um, but yeah, I think personally, I preferred who was the female singer on this album, uh, Brianna Corrigan. I think I preferred her voice. I thought she was. Uh, I think they had a falling out in the end. But yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a good time. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over Blue Nile's hats. Um, oh, never mind. <laughs> there's David Byrne. He had an album out. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I, I don't know this one. Um, and then I'm gonna Tracy Chapman again. I didn't get round to listening to. Was Tracy, that Crossroads? It is Crossroads. You know that one. Corking album, very very good. Uh, really? Yeah. Again, not I think one it's that you. Earlier one that I know. I wouldn't. I'd be surprised. It's probably. Oh no, actually, is this the one? Oh no, was the earlier album was that called Fast Car? Is this one? With oh, Fast I think Car it cert- certainly had Fast Car on it. I'm sure that was the earlier album. Oh right, in that case, oh yeah, that's eighties actually, isn't it? I think that. Oh no, this is eighty nine, isn't it? God, yeah, God. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> no crossroads. Maybe I don't know it. Um, I'll have a look as well. Yeah, I'm just gonna quickly Google that one to try and get myself out of trouble. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she had one called Tracy Chapman in eighty eight. That's the one I remember, which right, is a cracking album. Yeah, and that's the one with fast car and everything on it. Yeah, because again, right. that was like so. Going back to that shop that I yeah. used to work in, obviously they would they would want a demo. There were certain albums and CDs that they would use to uh, demo. It's like CDs were relatively new, I suppose then. And Fast Car was one of the tracks that they would put on because it had that really clear sort of crisp guitar sound mm-hmm. um and they, they would sort of use that to show off the the latest technics hi-fi system <laughs> uh then i've got uh nana cherry raw like sushi um yeah she was one of those ones who i was i remember being surprised that she ended up with a lot of legitimacy and uh, who and when she first came out i just thought i'll oh, just run of the mill pop star but she seems to get a lot of people 
giving her a lot of credit. You know, she mm. seemed to have a lot of people who had a, had respect for her, which even extended to her brother later in the, which we'll, yeah. we'll talk about at some point. Yeah, sure, we'll get but, to um, that at some point. I was never a hundred percent sure. I never disliked her, but I just never really had much. I, I listened to the album I think yesterday. Her. And and I'd say it's really good. Uh, is it the one with Buffalo of, Stance on it? Yeah, it is the one with Buffalo Stance, yeah, and it's also got Man Child on it. Um, I mean, some of the rapping is very much of its time, but it's a lot of fun. That album, yeah, it's good. Right, uh, right. Yeah. We've got uh, Eric Clapton's Journeyman. Yes, that's one that I had, um, and I do seem to remember that this was one. Now, Eric Clapton does divide people. Um, and I seem to remember that this was one that he had kind of gone over a little bit too far to the 80s sound. I got a feeling there's a lot of synthesized drums and stuff like that on it. There's some good songs on there, though, I think. Um, some, there's some, there are some quite powerful songs. Um, but I also thought some of it was a bit too far in that sort of, uh, sort of tech direction, you know. Um, Hmm, a little bit like, and I don't think this is now we've run into because I think this this was way before this. But do you remember when Queen did Hot Space? Do you remember that album? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It yeah, just, it's not. It's not that album. <laughs> <laughs> Even having only ever listened to it twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's not as extreme as that was. But it, I just seem to remember that there were it, just a few bits where you just thought, oh, it's a bit, little bit too much stamped in its era. So. Actually, but, in, in defence yeah. of Hot Space, I, f- I feel like um, I need to defend Hot Space a little bit. Mm-hmm. Once you get past the first track, it gets a lot better. I'd say 50% of that album is absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's got Under Pressure on it, and there's a couple of other tracks that are great. But there is this overriding, like, what the hell are they doing? Uh, anyway, we're going to come to a bit more Queen later on, uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is almost on a par with Hot Space in my mind. So I'm going to move on. So we've got... I'm going to try and start skipping through a couple of these that I haven't listened to, like Elvis Costello's Spike, uh, Deacon Blue, When the World Knows Your Name, because I want to get to De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising. Right. I know some people, to be fair, I, I, I can't talk about it because I never listened to it, but some people will be frowning and being disgruntled. Sorry, some people, if anyone ever listens to this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, assuming uh, anyone uh, listens uh, to uh, Both of those, to be fair. As stepping over Elvis Costello. Um, yeah, yeah. I know he's beloved by so many people. Yeah. Um, um, but he's he's not a guy. I, I just I just never got around to listening to him much. I do have, again, I've got a best of uh, of Elvis Costello uh, that I listen to from time to time. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what it is. It's not something I go back to a lot. Um, yeah. So sorry, Elvis Costello fans. No, that's uh, he true. Seems, we didn't. He seems great, but yeah, it's mm. not quite ticking ticking the boxes for me. It is true, actually. There is a disclaimer that we should have made at the start of the program. The program is a program, is it? It's a program uh, that we should have made podcast. At, <laughs> that we should have made at the start of the uh, podcast um, that we didn't. Which is, of course, these are our opinions, and many of them will be strongly disagreed with by anyone who could possibly <laughs> listen to this, including one another. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, and we, you know, if there, anyone does ever listen to this, I we are deeply sorry that if we uh, <laughs> do jump over or massively maul an album that you that was a big part of your childhood or, or teenage yeah. years. And and if you do, uh, I will read out the socials at the end and you can uh, you can give us a, a kick in on the socials uh, <laughs> if, if, if that's what you want to do. And maybe we can come back and. Um, if you're desperate for us to listen to something and uh, and change our opinions, then that's the place to to make the argument. So I'll I'll come to that at the end of the podcast. Uh, so yeah, um, De La Soul, three feet high and rising. I mean, this was uh, it's an overused phrase, I think, but it was a game changer. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I um, I mean, sorry, everyone could say the same thing, but I've got I've got a friend here near me where I live, and he still quotes lyrics from uh various <laughs> songs. all the money yeah <laughs> all yeah, the money yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, with two or three days ago i played my eldest child who's 12 years old at the moment i played her um i think five songs off of it um, right and it just the good bits are well you can't really get much better for 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 that kind of music at that kind of time it was superb yeah yeah um, there, there was something really inventive about the 
the way they'd sampled stuff, that kind of laid back rapping they had. It was so, it was like rapping had finally matured into something a little bit uh, beyond what it had been before. It was, yeah, it was, um, yeah. And, and they just seemed like the coolest three guys you'd ever seen as well. I remember seeing them on MTV and they were just captivating. It was great. It was brilliant. Yes, they, they were very, very good. And I think it, and I know they got criticised for this a bit. Um, I know that they sort of got spurned a little bit by the by the rap community because they were so popular with sort of middle class white people, um, unlike um, us. And um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was true. But I think that what happened then a bit, bit later, people sort of came back and looked at them and thought, well, no, the doors they opened for people mm, in, in the rap yeah. community and yeah. also the doors they opened for those listeners who suddenly realized who may have been put off by some aspects of rap before and then realized no this is something that i can find something in and i can enjoy in some way they were sort of almost deliberately opening doors for people as well because if you look through the credits on that album and i can't remember everybody that's on it but they all of their friends they had that whole community around them um and they all kind of had that little part to play in that album it was yeah it was um, I think they were really important. Yes, very much so, very much so. Oh, well done, Delasol. Okay, uh, so I'm going to skip a few, and I'm going to go to Fine Young Cannibals, The Raw and the Cooked. That came out in 89. I mean, I, I, I love that album. I listened to it a couple of days ago. I thought, for the most part, it still sounds pretty good. I think perhaps by the end of the album, they're slightly running out of ideas. There's maybe a little bit of filler in there. Um, but I think it's I think it's a great sound. Roland Gift's voice is a one of a kind. I think it's a brilliant album. It's 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 one of those albums that I never really got around to listening to. What is the big song from the album? There's probably more than one, but... Um... Uh, there was a couple. So um, this one is, uh, is it Good Thing? And which has got the... Jules Holland bit on the piano in the middle and right. um uh she drives me crazy I'm not the man I used to be yeah it might be she drives me crazy I think that I remember particularly from that but again it was one of those albums that I just didn't get around to and um I read an article about it a few years ago where they just said it was this you know fantastic mega album but I am I right in thinking that they never followed it up so they'd done an album previously. I think that was their second album. I think they they sort of around about 86, I think they did an album. Uh, then, yeah, they did that album in 89. And I think they were sort of around for a couple more years after that. Uh, I think they got into like the, the two guys, because I think the, the guitarist and the bass player of The Beat, I can't remember their names, but they were the ones who sort of formed Fine Young Cannibals. And then they became sort of producers and they, they went off um, to work with other people. And... Yeah, they, I don't think they ever recorded. I think maybe they've got back together occasionally for a couple of gigs. But yeah, I, I think it sort of petered out after that and they didn't really carry on. Um, mm, mm. That's. I think that's, yeah. that was, I'm probably misremembering it, but that seemed to be the gist of the article I read anyway. But mm. sounds like a corker. That might be one that I should go back to. Yeah, to. yeah, it's, it's good fun. Uh, what about, let's go to Paul McCartney and his Flowers in the Dirt. No idea. <laughs> well, this is a, I mean, Paul McCartney seemed like something for old people at the time, I think. I mean, that would be would have been my perception. I listened to this album the other day. I thought it was really good. Well, um, it, he is one of those artists who um, I... God, I bought one of his albums a little while ago. Oh, God, a little while ago, about 15 years ago. Uh, but time moves differently for Paul McCartney. Um, <laughs> it, which doesn't move, does it? I mean, it's a... Um, <laughs> But and it was good. It was good. It was a very enjoyable album. Um, and um, he released a lot of very decent stuff. I do remember that. Um, I yeah. Mean, of course, he's always in the shadow of what had gone before. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I think that's fair. But uh, yeah, so it was good, was it? Yeah, yeah. It's good. And he, one of the tracks actually is a duet with him and Elvis Costello, and and it's really good. So there we go. I'm going to bring Elvis back in. Uh, it, everything's fine in the world of Elvis Costello. <laughs> well, you did mention what amazing singer he, he is, and he, he is a brilliant singer. He's mm. still alive, isn't he? Elvis, Elvis <laughs> Costello, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's touring, he's touring this year. I, I, it's like a headline bill with somebody mm. else that I can't remember. Maybe we'll... I, did, I didn't think he was dead, but that's going to happen at some point. I'm going to be referring to someone in the present tense, and it'll turn out that uh, I'm using the wrong one. 
Yeah. Uh, so then I'm going to go to uh, Madonna's Like a Prayer. Uh, I don't know if you've got any strong opinions. I'd always assumed that this album was going to be brilliant because I think the single Like a Prayer is like, I think it's her best song. I think it's brilliant. Musically, I thought the video was great. Again, this one's, it's being tapped into my brain through MTV. It was it was on probably 18 times a day back in the 80s. Um, and I sort of assumed that this album was going to be a lot better than it was. I listened to the album uh, last weekend, I think it was. Um, and I found some of it quite annoying. Um, there's a I'm just, there's a duet hmm. she does with Prince, which I hadn't expected. It was... Mm. <laughs> now, this is where Prince fans will be like basically sort of throwing stones at my house because I like Prince. And we've talked about Prince more in the future, but he's... I mean, he was, we'll was talking about actually, him a little bit later on, actually. But oh, there we good. go. Well, there you go. But he was so <laughs> experimental that sometimes he missed massively. You know, um, you never knew exactly what you were going to get from him, which was one of his massive virtues. But he obviously missed the mark immensely sometimes. I like Madonna. Um, strange but true. I do like Madonna. But I was never. I again, it's one of those ones. I think I got into buying copies of her albums secondhand, uh, and then I think I put them on. I just put them into a, I assembled my own greatest hits playlist in the end and didn't really listen to a lot of the full tracks. I think for the reasons you say, I found quite a lot of the other, the, 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 the ones, the other songs to be fillers, the ones in between. Yeah. The I mean, ones, it's, you know. it's weird. I sort of looked on Wikipedia on this one and there's, there's so many musicians, there's like 20 or 30 different musicians that she uses across the album. And, and you can sort of tell because it, it doesn't have a, like a coherent thread through it. Sometimes albums sound like a, a sort of a natural collection of songs, whereas it sort of jumps all over the place. And uh, yeah, I, I was expecting it to be a lot better than it was, but I, I'm not a huge Madonna fan, so mm -hmm. uh, maybe mm -hmm. I shouldn't say too much and move quickly on. Where, to, by the way, uh, whereabouts are we in the what? list? Is, is, there a, is there a number or? Well, I mean, they, they, these are sort of done in alphabetical order. And, oh, and to okay, be fair, I, I am skipping some. I've, no, I've no, skipped no, over no. Uh, a few that maybe I won't mention because I don't want to upset anyone. Uh, particularly Bob Dylan fans, but um, I'm going to go straight to uh, Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever. Now I don't know what you what you think of Tom Petty. I mean, this so this was this is an odd one because um, he'd always been Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers. At this point, he throws aside the Heartbreakers, goes off, records this album sort of on his own, but not really on his own because he's got Jeff Lynne um, from ELO producing it. He's got George Harrison and Roy Orbison in the studio with him. And he and I do think one of the Heartbreakers uh, is in there as well. Um, and he records what I think is his best ever album. <laughs> <laughs> And I think if you're one of the heartbreakers, you are going to be fuming. And I think well, it there. I think there is a story with his old drummer never got over it. Um, I, I, there is a documentary about Tom Petty, and it, it's in there. Um, but th I think this is a great album. Uh, again, it does sort of feel like maybe he runs out of steam a little bit towards the end. But it, it's a brilliant album. A bit of heartbreaker. <laughs> sorry, and I, sorry. I just, I was just going to mention, actually, I don't know if you're up on uh, current events, but the, the latest or that was the first proper trailer for the new Grand Theft Auto game came out and it uses a track off of this album, uh, Love is a Long Road. And uh, <laughs> there was there was a 37,000% increase on <laughs> streams in Spotify <laughs> after that <laughs> trailer was released. It's, yeah, well, again, this is going to be one, there's going to be, quite a lot of these obviously but um he's one of those people i always thought gonna have to listen to him at some point and i never really got around to it and it's one of those okay. things where occasionally people mention it and and i, I saw say well i've never really listened to his music all that much <laughs> and they go what um <laughs> and he's got such a good reputation um, yeah 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 he's i mm. i saw him live i mean literally i think months before he died um mm. And he was uh, um, he was at the, the Hyde Park thing they do every year in London. And, and he was great. He was really good. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, if you want to if you want to get into a bit of Tom Petty, I, I'd say that that's your jumping in point. Full moon fever. Uh, mm. It would be your starting point. Have um, you ever seen that, that very famous um, 
uh, YouTube video of when he does the performance of, I know it's not his song, but While My Guitar Gently Weeps. With, Is this uh, the one where Prince just comes yeah, in, yeah. owns the stage? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, I cannot watch that without crying. <laughs> as ridiculous as it's I know. it blows me away every time. Prince pops out on his stilts and just, <laughs> and just <laughs> annihilates everything. He's just... <laughs> such a You've presence. You've got this stage full of incredible musicians and then just Prince just swans on, steals mm. the show and swans back <laughs> off again. It's wonderful. There's a bit of a theme here. We haven't actually got to Prince's music yet and he's already <laughs> popped up twice. So we're going to have uh, Pixies Doolittle next. Was this one you did at the time? Oh, which one is, is That's not the one with um, Where Is My it's Mind on it, is it? and um, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if it has Monkey Gone to Heaven. Then, no, it's not, because I only ever had, again, I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed, but I only ever had one Pixies album. Um, and I think that's because when I first, when they first, when, sorry, when I first became very aware of them, that was early 90s and as we'll find out later they were basically in the middle of a massive tidal wave of of, of music <laughs> yeah basically. yeah i think they probably did get caught up in that so, so i, I think uh, my hmm. go on sorry i'll, no, I'll go on. No, they just got obscured that's all that, that, that that's i was it. just so gonna go say that my, my experience was that the the pixies uh pixies were liked by some people that I didn't think were very nice people. At least you'd sort of see people wearing pixie shirts. And there was, there was a couple of guys I was sort of aware of. Um, and I just assumed from that point that pixies weren't for me because it's like, well, they're horrible people. So if they like pixies, then, then, then pixies must be horrible as well. So I, I listened to this, uh, I think it was, again, it was last weekend. I, I put this on um, and had a, had a listen and it was all right. Actually, I think it wasn't, I was expecting it to be a lot more, sort of disjointed and messy and scratchy whereas actually it was it was perhaps a little bit more polished than i was expecting it was pretty good um and i know people are obsessive about pixies so they're not going to be happy that neither of us have got that much to say on it <laughs> well again they're one of those ones who um I mean, there's a lot of artists that I have avoided simply because I did try their music and it wasn't for me. Um, and the Pixies, who I did listen to, I had one of their albums and I did like it. Like I said, unfortunately, it did get blocked by other music that I was listening to at the time. But I never disliked them. And you were always aware of their influence. Um, yes. Well, I think actually, no, increasingly yeah. so. Um, they were such, again, they were one of those bands that I think was part of the of that wave that was coming at that time, but we didn't know it. Finally, we're going to come to <laughs> Prince. Uh, and in 1989, he released Batman. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> now, this was a really big hit for him. I was reading about it and it sort of revived his career apparently, but you wouldn't know that from listening to it. It's, um, did you have it? Uh, no, I remember having it again. Uh, it was one of the CDs that we had in the shop. And I think there was maybe one or two tracks that, at the time that we used to put on, which would give you the impression that it was a half decent album. But but when you listen to it, nah, not for me. It's um, I did have it. And I think like a lot of people, I bought it and I listened to it. And I was thinking, oh, this is a great album until I realized, no, this is not a great album. There's a lot of um, how, how are we for swearing? Are we right for swearing? Yeah, no, swearing? we can do what we want. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of as long as we shit. Don't... <laughs> as long as we don't say anything controversial that gets us cancelled on episode one. <laughs> um, well, if I think to, well, if, if an army of people who love every single track on Batman come to kill me, I'd, I, I'm pretty <laughs> confident there'll be a much bigger army of people who think, no, no, a lot of it was shit. <laughs> It'll be racing yeah. in the other direction. Um, yeah. I, it... It wasn't great. And I'm sure we'll come on to more prints at some other point. But I'll ask you just, just one question about that album. Um, what did you think of Bat Dance? Uh, I mean, I think that was the big one, right? That was, yeah, that's was. okay, isn't it? That was that's, the single, yeah. Yeah. And it's more like, a, it's, is it sort of instrumental just with clips from the film and stuff like that? Is that? No, no, I there's right? a fair bit of singing. But what's, what's interesting okay. about that song, and I, I, I would actually encourage anyone to listen to it if they wanted to hear what Prince could do when he let himself go a bit. Um, it's a sort of, it's like it's cut into sort of, is it three different sections musically and they're quite different. And 
it does feature quite a lot of snippets from the, from the movie, which uh, you know was popular at the time. Some people were doing that kind of thing, um, but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting song, and I still think it's a good song. I do think it's okay. a good song. Um, it's got some really sort of deep, sort of grooving sort of sounds on it, which he could do when he allowed himself to, and it's got other things like that. But um, but then the rest of it, not the rest of it, there are some other good songs on it. I think I quite enjoyed, I think there's a song called Trust on there, which I liked, but I liked it because of the movie, because of the scene in the movie, because it's got Jack Nicholson dancing around. Little, <laughs> the the, the leg, leg-shaped fellow pretending to be the Joker. <laughs> All right, so then uh, we're going to take The Road to Hell with Chris Rear. <laughs> and, oh, and guilty secrets again. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with Chris. I, I, I this is a this is a great album. Now, um, yeah, but the thing is, at the time, it was people our age that were considered to be his fans. People he, our he, age now, yeah, yeah, people, yeah, def- yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, I think after we <laughs> met, me, me and you used to kind of listen to a bit of Chris Rio. I think I had um, was it New Light through Old Windows, and you had mm. uh, Road to Hell. And I think yeah. we knew we were listening to music that <laughs> sort of. Well, it certainly felt like we were listening to music that wasn't intended for us. It was, yeah, I know, but it was strangely very, very enjoyable. In fact, mm. I'm going to just research um, one song because I want to just see if it's coming up later. Um, Is it Texas? No, no. <laughs> oh no, no. God, God, God. Look at look at his hairstyle. Um this is from Water Sign, which judging by his hairstyle must have been in the mid or early eighties. But that's got a song on it called Nothing's Happening by the Sea, which I still oh, yes. yeah. I remember it well. Yeah. Song, and I still listen to it quite regularly. It's on it's on so many of my playlists. And anytime I want to just feel relaxed and chilled out, nothing's happening by the sea. Oof. Okay, so that's going to take us on to, and again, uh, well, I'm going to take us straight on to this. Is, I'm going to be fascinated to see whether you have any recollection of uh, the Dan Reed Network and their no, album really. Slam. Okay, so I, I remember, remember, I remember the name. Sort of, yeah, they were sort of, hmm. I, I think, because this is, we're talking, this is my Kerrang reading years, right? <laughs> so I, I think they were on Kerrang quite a lot. And I remember, I think possibly I remember their videos on, on MTV. And they were sort of supposed to be this kind of fusion of different musical styles. I managed to listen to, I think, about three tracks on this album. They are like a shit Bon Jovi, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a person who already thinks Bon Jovi is shit. (laughs) Honestly, yeah, I, I just don't know why you need this band. You've already got Bon Jovi. So let's move on from them. Um, I, I am going to skip a few here. I'm going to jump straight to the Stone Roses, their debut album, the Stone Roses. Ah, well, uh, that's a bit of a on. different proposition, isn't it? I, I, okay. Now I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with the negative. Uh, never liked his voice, always disliked his voice. Uh, and for me, that was the reason why I wasn't a massive fan of this of them at the time and this album. I wasn't a massive fan of it, I'll confess that. I have since grown to love that album. Um, love it. There are so many good songs on it and really good songs. And I completely get what everyone was going on about at the time. But I never liked his voice, still don't like his voice. He always just sounds like, you know, something really, well, sort of fairly unfortunate has happened to him in the morning. <laughs> and he's just trying to get on with it without really waking up properly and dealing with it. So, I mean, I think I'm in a, a similar place in that I didn't, I didn't appreciate it at the time. I think, I think there was something about Stone Roses fans that I found slightly intimidating. I mean, they kind of created this army where this army of bucket hat wearing, uh, yeah, as as a sort of individuals and as a as a southerner, a young, shy, soft southerner, I was slightly intimidated by this this army of Mancunians. Um, it's a brilliant album. I, I weirdly, uh, it's not on my streaming service, so I don't. I don't know if it's on Spotify. Um, I don't use Spotify, and and it's not on my streaming service. So I had to go onto my OneDrive and download the files to my phone. I had to install a new audio player just to be able to listen to it. I hadn't listened to it for a while. It still sounds great. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's 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 one that again, sort of individual songs off of it uh, crop up on my playlists. Yeah, I think, I think Ian Brown knows he's not 
the world's greatest singer and and i think he's very clever in that he he works within his ability uh mm. he doesn't sort of push himself he doesn't go to places that he can't come back from um well, it, well, yeah I, very good point it, he didn't ruin the songs obviously otherwise it wouldn't wouldn't mm, have been viewed as yeah. a classic album even at the time but um that's that's what put me off um but you're right he, yeah. he, they sort of worked around it as best they could yeah so then i've got um tears for fears the seeds of love yeah, and now I, I'd imagine a lot of people probably don't like that album very much because that's when they... Is that 1989? That's 1989, yeah. I always thought that was a 90s album. Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. I mean, I, I'd never heard the album. I'd heard the singles off it, which I don't mind, actually. Um, mm. And and I listened to the album, and, and reputedly this album cost like a million pounds or something to record. Right. And do you know what? It sounds like it. It, it sounds absolutely lavish and huge, um, I don't know that all of the songs deserve that, but there, there's some good stuff on there. It's all right. It's, it's that's interesting. I found that they are now. I remember they were one of those groups that I started to occasionally mention to people between sort of sort of uh, clenched teeth and sort of thinking, oh God, this could this could be a conversation stopper as people stare at me with just distaste. <laughs> but, it, but I quite like Tears for Fears, and they'd be like, yeah, yeah, no, they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> Really, you think so too? Oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, there, there's, there was a change in direction at this time. It's like they they decided they wanted to do something different. They wanted to be grown up musicians. They wanted to create something of value that was going to last. Um, and 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 they they pretty much do it. I think it's yeah. Yeah, well, and also again, they were possibly then a precursor to the reason why I thought that they were that was a '90s album was because it had that sort of hippie-ish yes it, yeah yeah which very much characterized the early 90s with, with that sort mm. of 60s uh and sort of 70s retro thing um but yeah no I yeah the video that. had sort of psychedelia and stuff in it didn't it and yeah mm. uh okay so uh that will take us to uh tin machines first album uh, <laughs> <laughs> imaginatively titled tin machine Isn't now... it... right. right okay um i First, I want to hear what you think about this. Then I'll tell you a little story about this. Anyway, go on. Okay, so uh, my my recollections at the time, again, this is one where MTV, they went a little bit stupid for this. It, um, and and I seem to remember every the music press and everything at the time was behaving like David Bowie had just reinvented rock and roll. Um, I listened, I remember listening to this album years ago and thinking it was absolute shit. Uh, I listened to this within the last couple of days. And I think actually once you get past the first track, I mean, the first track is a really self-indulgent to the worst degree. I mean, I think at one point you can actually hear the guitarist disappearing up his own ass. Um, <laughs> but you get past that. And, and I think actually it was pretty good. Now, I have picked out some lyrics that I didn't think were very good. <laughs> Um, so this, uh, these are from Crack City. So, uh, I mean, this one's not too bad. Oh, come all you children, don't grab that scabby hand. It belongs to Mr. Sniffentel. It belongs to the candy man. Ooh. Ooh. Um, but then, then it came to this one. <laughs> Corrupt with shaky visions and crack and coke and alcohol. They're just a bunch of assholes with buttholes for their brains. <laughs> And then it, it started fairly <laughs> promisingly, but then ended very badly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And that is one of our most treasured pop icons right there. Deservedly um, so, for, but not for that reason. <laughs> um. but, but yeah, I, I mean, I did read something on the internet the other day where people were saying it was a sort of a, a forerunner. It, it was Bowie was seeing into the future and, and, um, uh, and it was like, he he was nirvana before nirvana happened i i don't hear nirvana in this album at all hmm. um but it, it's i think it's taken a bit of a kicking uh unnecessarily i think there's there's a couple of dodgy tracks but overall i i didn't think it was that bad i want to hear your story <laughs> well this is where this is where i'll defer to a friend of mine who was a who's a much bigger and i like david bowie like like most people do um not a mega 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 crazy fan but i like I like David Bowie. I have a solid liking for his music. Um, but this, so this friend of mine, he was he was just 
so this was quite a long time after the Tin Machine albums were released, Tin Machine and the imaginative, imaginatively named Tin Machine 2, I believe it was. Um, <laughs> it was, which was. we will run into. <laughs> and I have to remember not to repeat this story at the time. So, And he went in search. He went on this scouring mission to find the Tin Machine album, which for some reason he couldn't find. And then eventually he got it. After searching for it for ages, he got it and he listened to it a lot. And he said, you know what? It was shit. He said, and I realised... <laughs> He said, I realized it must have been Tin Machine 2 that I was looking for. So he then he looked for that and he couldn't find it anywhere, which again was baffling. I don't know why he couldn't find it. But his girlfriend at the time, who was a friend of mine, so she for his birthday, she I think she contacted a record shop and got them to track it down. And she bought him Tin Machine 2 after all this time. And for his birthday, which probably his 25th birthday or something, gave me this. this and he's like, oh, my God, you got it. And it was like the greatest gift ever. And then he said, but it was shit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit machine. Um, <laughs> again, again, I never listened to it. So if some, if there are people out there um, who think, wow, what an album, you know, great. I'm sure it is. But uh, that wasn't what I heard. <laughs> and he was a massive Bowie fan, so. <laughs> and I've got two more on this list that we're going to cover. Uh, so it's um, the Wonder Stuff's Hup um, and Neil Young's Freedom are the last two on here. So, I mean, I, I I think it's a great Wonder Stuff album. I mean, they did kind of change and develop as time went on. Um, uh, but it's this one's got Cartoon Boyfriend on, which I always thought was a great riff and a great song. Is this the um, second album? Yeah, the second one, yeah. yeah. Um I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. Um, now, I, unlike quite a lot of Stuffies fans, um, I was never a massive fan of their first album. I thought it had some very good songs on it, but I thought it sounded very much like a first album, which I think is quite mm. healthy. I don't, I think, yeah, often, yeah. When bands come through with a very polished sound and very, you know, just being a perfect thing on the first album, it doesn't bode well for their later albums often. Um, but this is where they sort of grew into themselves. And I thought Hup was a very, very good second album. Mm, yeah. I'm going to get this completely wrong. Does it have Good Night, though, on it? Uh, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, I'm going to have to quickly find my web browser. Because um, that's one of my all-time favourite. I think it does. Um, um, let's just have a quick look. Uh, do do do. Uh, no, it doesn't. Right, there you go then. <laughs> Maybe we'll edit this bit out. <laughs> but it's got it's got radio ask. It's it's got golden green. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And don't let me don't let me down gently. Is is a yeah. cracking pop song. Yes, um, yes. You know, I I I've Can't read, shape I've up, recently yeah. read. Yeah, recently read. Oh no, mine, um, mine's telling me good night. Those on it. Oh, good night. Yes, yes, it is there. Good I missed night. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And cartoon yeah. boyfriend. It's yeah. this is a yeah. very good album actually. Yeah, it's a great album. Yeah, yeah. This is it's even better than I remember. I mean, I'm looking at them and I can't really see. Yeah, even Room Four Ten. That's that's a good song. It's a good album mm. ender. Um, Unfaithful is a good song. Yeah, yeah. This is a good no, album. It's, yeah, it's a it's a great album. Yeah, very solid, very solid. Uh, Neil Young's Freedom. Uh, oh, did I? Ha is that one of the ones I had? Yeah, um, it's got cause... Rockin' in the Free World on it. Yes. Um. I like Neil Young a lot without being an enormously uh, able person in terms of describing the albums that he released. Um, <laughs> the problem with Neil is that there are so many yes. uh, that you just get a bit confused. And, and some stuff's better than others. I think that's mm. probably fair to say. Um, uh, but this one, uh, here we go. It's got Wrecking Ball, yes. The Ways of Love. Uh, yeah. is, this, is this what it's saying? Crime in the City. Uh, I think that's a good one. Yeah. Yes, it's it's a good album. I do remember it. I do remember. It. I'm looking at the track listing as well, and it was good. I mean, like like I think most of his albums, there were bits in it where you think, uh -huh, you know, um, but there were some very good songs on there, and and rocking in the free world. I'm rocking in the free in world, the free world. Which, you know. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. So, so that was a selection of Q's uh, fifty best albums, <laughs> um, and now I've got a list that I put together of albums that didn't make the grade. And some of these, it's like, how did this not make the grade? So, I'll start with um, Sonic Temple by The Cult. 
Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't their best. <laughs> no, but it, it wasn't their worst. Um, it wasn't their worst, uh, it wasn't their worst. But it's, <laughs> no. that was when they sort of, for me, that's, that's when they started to become hair metal. They did. They did start to head that way. Mm. There was something a little bit more. I can't remember who produced that, but I wonder whether I think they were out in America going a bit American at the time yes, and, and yes. probably absorbing that yes. sort of world. They became very uh, L.A. rock on that album. Um, and so this, I, this I, one. I, mm -hmm. Sorry, go on. Go on. No, 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 no. no. Uh, yeah, no, L L.A. rock, I think, is, is probably fair. Um, but, you know, give me Sun King all day. <laughs> it is good it is good yeah 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 and that's uh, the opening track isn't it i think it is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. good, good opening. um this is someone that i'm i'm sure i'm sure i'm going to mention a lot over <laughs> yeah, as this turns into a more regular thing and it's workbook by bob mold um it... <laughs> well i will let you take this go with it i had this album which i recorded off of you on tape um sorry bob <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> um but um so but i just please, think you're, you're yeah the bob, i, I just think with this one i mean obviously I, this is an album i came to much later on so i wasn't there when it was re released so he's come out of huskadoo he's gone off he's met with some session musicians and he's gone off and made what is essentially almost an acoustic album which i don't think anyone really saw coming um it's a great album it's really listenable um it's got some cracking songs on it and i think uh, see a little light is the sort of obvious radio hit i don't know how much of a hit it was um uh and then i think the only sort of rock track is the one at the end is that whichever the whichever way the wind blows is that the last track um and uh yeah i think it sort of surprised everybody and then <laughs> In classic Bob style, uh, his next album, uh, Black Sheets of Rain, which I'm sure we'll come to on another episode, is is ab absolutely the opposite of that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, there's Bob. Uh, what else have I got on here? Uh, so Queen's The Miracle came out in 89. Um, yeah, well, I mean... What I mean about Hot Space, right? I mean, it's arguable. Actually, I would argue that A Kind of Magic is potentially their weakest album but the miracle is is definitely down there i would i would quite strongly disagree with that just because of the high points on a kind of magic when they get it's it right very high have... high points but it's yes. got some serious low points as well what, what uh, one year of love or whatever it is or pain is so close to pleasure I mean... <laughs> oh, gonna have them played at my funeral um... <laughs> when it's time for people to leave <laughs> well, well when it's time for other people to die um <laughs> No, you're right. You're right. Um, that's not that's not a very consistent album. So it's but, not a surprise, um, I think, that that one wasn't on their list. Um, I've got uh, the the and Mind Bomb. Is that an album you're familiar with? No, not really. No. Okay, I I, I like that one a lot. That's that's a good album. Um, I think I think Johnny Marr plays plays guitar on that one. No. Oh, um, okay. uh, Nirvana released their debut album Bleach. Obviously, right. without Dave Grohl. Um, I mean, I listened to that. I, I got into Nirvana with everybody else in the early nineties, but I'd mm. never really listened to bleach. And I listened to it the other day and it, it does sort of feel like a demo tape. Um, it does. I mean, obviously, I mean, I might, I'm going to talk a great deal about Nirvana when that comes up, <laughs> Never mind, uh, because that for me is something extremely, um, well, it's, it's just, it changed everything for me. Um, bleach, I think that's an album, and ironically, this is just what I was going to say about um, about the Miracle by Queen. In totally different types of album, but I wanted to like these albums so much. I wanted mm -hmm. to love the Miracle, and I wanted to love Bleach, but I just couldn't because both of them, in extremely different ways, were just albums that didn't quite get where they wanted to go. If I'm being honest about the miracle, coming back to it, it, it's it's the album that broke my heart because the the lead single off of that album was "I Want It All," oh, and know. it's such a rocker. And yeah. I remember just being blown away. It's like, oh, this is what I want from Queen. Yeah. This is it. You put the album on, and you get that track, and then you get I don't know whatever it is the the party and Khashoggi's ship, and <laughs> and you just and and I it just left me shattered. Um, yeah. It was, I mean, it was, I mean, to be fair, in retrospect now, you can see possibly quite significant reasons why the album was not a particularly strong one. Um, yeah. You know, he was starting to look um, uh, very unwell. 
Um, yeah, I think it was the start of it, wasn't it? It hmm. was the first album. I think it was the first album they recorded knowing that he wasn't well. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and, they, you know, like you said, there were still some moments on it, but I don't know. It was continuing a bit of a downward trajectory. Um and uh, you know, we say this now, but look at what Queen are now. Look what they have been yeah, for yeah. decades. They've been I mean, I've, yeah. I admit they have been voted the best band ever from the UK. Which <laughs> and, and I was thinking, what are people forgetting the Beatles and Rolling Stones? And that's not my opinion, it's just they're the ones that everyone always says are the best bands, mm. you know. Mm. But anyway, um but Bleach No just didn't quite get there for me either. It was a bit too messy, a bit too raw and yeah. But yeah, there is some great songs on there, and and mm-hmm. you you know when he when he revisits them on um, the unplugged stuff, you can see why they're up there. They hold their own against the rest of the songs. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I've got the real thing uh, by Faith No More. I mean, I just cannot, I cannot get my head round. You've got the fucking Dan Reed network on this list. <laughs> And you haven't put this on. Honestly, what's going on? How could they not put that in there? It, they it's, were doing... it's astonishing, isn't it? Mm. The, I think the worst thing that I can say about that album is that that was when he hadn't found his voice yet. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's yeah. He hasn't grown into his voice. There is mm. a slightly. I don't know what that tone is, but um, I've got to it's... say that's a bit of a. It's a bit of a hair metal voice he's got. He's trying to do it. Yes. Bit, yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sound a bit like Cartman. Sorry, that was unintentional. <laughs> Cartman does faith no more. Uh, B-52s, you ever, they did Cosmic Thing in that year. Of course I was aware of them, but I never really listened. I, I, okay. I, I mean, I, I think it was a good album, but, mm, you know. I know they were very popular. I think I was just put off by how immersed they seemed to be in that sort of, in that 60s, 50s, 60s look. I just thought, nah. I did um, like, you know, I liked the, the big songs. Sorry. Uh, this this one, yeah, no, just because I'm from Farnborough, I'm going to mention Mega City Four. Yes, uh, they, yes. They released Transphobia in in '89. I mean, it's it's not their best in my opinion, but you know, um, I'm throwing it in there. I'm going to go for uh, we've got Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique. Uh, right. I mean, a, a hugely underestimated album. I think mm. <laughs> I've got their book here, and and if you read about it, I mean, they poured their hearts and souls into that album, and everyone just kind of went, yeah, it's all right. Is that, is, <laughs> is that the one where they're playing their instruments? Uh, no, this is the one where they sampled. This is an absolute, absolute sampling masterclass. Uh, Paul's boutique. Um, it's their second album, and and it, it's it's great. But yeah, it just sort of. I think it cost them a lot of money to make and didn't really recoup anything. Right. Um, well, I've but... just Mega City Four. I will definitely mention more about them on later albums because I yeah. I, also, I also have some opinions about them. Uh, but um, I I don't really remember Transphobia. And um, okay, but um. <laughs> Beastie Boys. Um, again, we will we will come back to them. Yeah, later. I'm sure we'll come back to them. But, but again, it's very difficult to measure the influence of the Beastie Boys and the impact of the Beastie Boys. They crossed so many boundaries and they collected yeah. fans from so many different genres, uh, which is unbelievable when you consider. So it's, when you consider that's not their first album, is it, Paul? No, no, that was no. Licensed to Ill, which came out, yes. I, I'm guessing, sort of 86, 87. So when you consider um, that album and just the general shambles that they <laughs> they appeared to be on that album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And where they ended up, that's anyway, but we'll talk about that more in the future. But now there's going to be a big hats off moment to that to them because they deserved it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've got um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Mother's Milk. So this was, you know, this is a turning point for the Chili Peppers, I think, at this stage. Um, they'd, uh, the original lineup had actually recorded an album together, which was a previous one. And then um, uh, Hillel Slovak had died. Mm. Jack Irons couldn't deal with the death. Um, so he left the band. And then, you know, these two guys, they go on. I mean, they must be the luckiest people on earth because not only did they find Chad Smith, but they also found John Frusciante. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, what band isn't going to succeed with those two guys? I mean, I'm not denying the talent of the other two, but geez, that's some, that's a lucky break right there. Yeah, no, um, I mean, I think Mother's Milk is a great album. I mean, it was, I don't know when the Uplift Mofo Party Plan was released, but Mother's Milk, which I think was the one after that, was um, yes, stronger, so. much heavier. Um, and 
again very varied and they were really into their funk i mean we, we sort, of, sort of skipped over faith no more a bit but one of the things i liked about faith no more and i always found some slight comparisons in faith no more and the chili peppers because they had a slight funky sort of metally thing chili peppers i think more they had so. a bit of a public falling out at the time as well i think there was a little bit of um uh, I think um, Anthony Kiedis maybe thought that Mike Patton had stolen his shtick. Uh, uh, so I think I think there is some stuff in the press. Maybe we'll maybe we'll find that out and come Ooh. back on that one. Ooh, could have could have a could have had a head banging battle. That would have been entertaining. <laughs> uh, so, yes, God. Sorry. Uh, anyway, I've got two left on this list that, that didn't make the grade. Uh, one of them, surprisingly, actually, is the Sensual World by Kate Bush. I mean, really, I love it, that album. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, it's classic Bush, right? Um, it's difficult to <laughs> difficult to imagine. <laughs> so it's one that I was trying to get to listen to because it's not an album that I'm that familiar with, and I was just listening to it before we uh, before we sort of came on here. Yes. Um, and and it does sound pretty good to me. <laughs> Did you get to Rocket's Tale? No, I think I only got about three or four tracks in. Well, you uh, listen to Rocket's Tale um, and don't don't read anything about it. Just listen to it and see if you recognize um, someone who pops up in there in a okay in a non-vocal right. performance. Uh, so that's oh, the it's going to be Gilmore, you... right? Oh, bollocks. Yeah, it's Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> got to be Gilmore. And then I've got one, one more on this list, uh, which is uh, Eat's debut album, Sell Me a God. Um, ah, right. Yes. Which came out came out in '89, and I'm sure, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll, um, we'll we'll do a little bit more on Eat later on. Mm, I think you liked this more than I did. Um, so yeah, album. again, it's an album that I I kind of discovered later on. I kind of came across Eat in probably '92, '93 around that mm. time, and then you go, okay, what else have they got? And you come back and you find this album, and I do think there are sort of two sets of fans within within Eat fan group mm. and and half of them are people that got on at the beginning and and love this album and the other half are the people who like a bit like myself who found them later on and, and yeah. prefer the later stuff to this one um but that's not to say I, I don't get a lot of fun out of this album yeah but there are some very good tracks on there i mean uh, summer in the city and a few other ones um are very good on there but um yes i am i am a person i think much like yourself who who will be speaking a not far greater length about their their follow-up album to that one yeah okay all right so let's let's move to so that's the albums that's the the sort of the latest releases i suppose you could call that bit um and i was <laughs> now on the other end of the spectrum we've got the charts uh Ooh. Ooh. so it was a case of what do i do around um obviously we're looking at a whole year i've just picked the christmas week and i've i found the, mm. the this is so this is the top 10 singles at christmas uh, Sister by Bross. Oh, jeez. Uh, don't Know Much by Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville. No, nope, I'm glad I don't uh, know much about that as well. <laughs> I Don't Want to Lose Lose You by Tina Turner. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Lambarda by Kaoma, I'm assuming. I mean, I kind of That's, remember the that, Lambarda. That but... rings a bell, yeah. 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 Uh, Get a Life, Soul to Soul. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Dear Jesse by Madonna. Right. Donald Wears Your Trousers by, <laughs> by Andy Stewart. I mean, why this has come back in 89? I mean, it's I think it's like an old 50s track or something. Right. Uh, I don't understand why that came back. Uh, when You Come Back to Me by Jason Donovan. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Let's Party by Jive Bunny. And Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid 2. Oh, Band-Aid 2. That ruined it, didn't Band it? Band-Aid 2, yeah, like the yeah, really bad yeah. one. Yeah, no, that bit right at the end really just, oh, that turned that, that, turned that burger into a load of shit, that did. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, Band-Aid, I mean, whatever people think. And to be fair, I think there's a lot of issues with the initial Band-Aid song, if you really think about it, because they apparently they don't have snow and things like that in Africa, which they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, still well-intentioned and a bit of a cracking song um but uh yeah oh dear anything anything any sort of numerals that come after that i think just meant yeah, degrees yeah. of awfulness didn't it i don't know i think band-aid band-aid 20 is is the one that's got a little bit more credibility because you've got you've got like mccartney and tom york and people like that on that one. Oh, okay i don't know if i've ever heard that i think as soon as i saw that it wasn't the original i just probably didn't bother 
Yeah. No, uh, okay. Then, okay. then I've got the albums, top 10 albums. You've got Best of Rod Stewart. Right. Uh, Affection, Lisa Stansfield. Stronger by Cliff Richard. 10 Good Reasons, Jason Donovan. Enjoy yeah. Yourself, Kylie Minogue. I mean, yeah. we're clearly, you know, right in that hit factory zone, Stockton yes. and Waterman. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chris, Chris Rea, Road to Hell, mm -hmm. yeah, good. Uh, Holding Back the River, Wet, Wet, Wet. I'm, I'm sure in a later episode we will um, deal with my utter contempt for Wet, Wet, Wet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Foreign Affair by Tina Turner. I'm sure that Wet, Wet, Wet were described as shit, shit, shit by someone quite famous. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got... Uh, Live Bunny, the album at number two, and Phil Collins, but seriously at number one. I mean, <sighs> it's well. That's again. This is this is one of my guilty pleasures, and believe me, I would get stoned in the street by people for admitting the fact that I quite like Phil Collins. Um, I, I think he's done some good stuff. I, I do like Genesis, um, and yeah, I, I was ne I never really followed his solo career. You couldn't avoid it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then. Uh, then I've got the the top selling albums of 1989. Do you want to? Maybe I won't go through all of them, but do you want to have a stab? Who do you think, after all of the incredible music that we've talked about, who do you think is going to have the number one selling album of 1989? Ross. It's close. It's Jason Donovan. Right, right, right. Yes, not that surprising, really, considering the state of pop music. Yeah. I mean, at one point, this this is something that we may talk about in the future. I mean, when we go off on a little sort of side current about um, what you think about pop music and its place in things, you know, because uh, it obviously serves a purpose, but uh, how much does it so? But we'll talk about that at another time. So that's it from us. Um, join us again um but until then if you want to get in touch with us then you can find us on x or twitter whatever you call it uh we are at soundtrack 90s that's at soundtrack 90s and on instagram we are soundtrack of the 90s uh, that's it from us until next time goodbye thank you very very much and remember classic bush We are creating playlists of our soundtrack choices on both Spotify and Tidal. They will be updated every time a new episode goes out and you can find the links to them in the show notes. Visit us at www.soundtrackofthe90s.com for links to all our social media accounts. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please subscribe on your podcast app of choice to be notified every time we release a new episode. Thanks for listening. Mm.